0: would turn to the book of Genesis and uh, help me out. Let's, let's throw up a quick outline of the book so we can make sure we understand where we are and see the big picture. I started this off. The first division, we'll call it chapters 1 through 11. What would we call this? What's a decent name? Or what have you heard people call this general section? Creation fall, but you've also got other things, right? You've got the whole Noah incident. You've got the Tower of Babel. You've got a lot of things in there, right? Uh, Some people uh, would would just say this is the pre-patriarchal section, all right? It's the pre-pat, pre-patriarchal, all right? Some people will call it the primeval or the primordial, which both means like first age or first part, First in order. Starting in chapter 12, though, we talk about... Abram. All right. Let's talk about Abram slash Abraham. Now, who are... Who are the major characters in Genesis after this point? Abraham, then whom?
1: Isaac.
0: Isaac, then... Jacob. Then... Joseph, right? Abraham... Isaac. Jacob, who is also called... Israel. Israel. And then finally, of course, the last part, it's the sons of Israel, and the focus is primarily on Joseph. Joseph is the hero of the story. Okay. When does the Abraham narrative end? Look through your... uh, Look through your subheadings. When do we really, really focus on Isaac? Mm-hmm. Uh, Twenty-five is when Abraham dies. Twenty-five is when Abraham dies. Is uh, so? Would we would we start at twenty-six? I, I would push it earlier than 20, 25, right? Because, I mean, though, though Abraham dies in, in 25, it's, 24 is all about Isaac. Isaac is, is definitely, at this point, we're definitely switching from a focus on Abraham to Isaac, all right? In chapter 22 was the sacrifice, the potential sacrifice of Isaac, right? 23, Sarah's death and burial. And there's a long discussion there uh, between Abraham Abraham or Abraham at this point talking about buying a field, right? And then chapter 24 is Isaac and Rebekah. And so, all right, so let's call... This, 24, the beginning. So that means that primarily Abraham is 12 through uh, 23. Okay. Where do we begin the main narrative? When do, we, when do we switch from Isaac to Jacob? Jacob's born in 25. Is that when we switch to Jacob? Mhm. Right, it's, it's, really, it's really starting in around 27. Because even 26 is primarily about Isaac at that point, right? So we can say 27. So Isaac sort of gets a uh, short, short shrift here. So Isaac blesses Jacob in chapter 27. At what point do we switch over primarily... To Joseph. 30. What's that? Okay, so Joseph is born in 30. That does sound right.
1: About 37? That's when he having
0: right, right. So Joseph's around earlier, but even in when you get to like 30, 35, 36... Alright, thirty-five is, is focusing on Jacob. Thirty-six is well Esau's descendants. Right. thirty-seven you get Joseph's dreams, and that's what kicks off, right, the the Joseph sequence. Even though you do have the Judah and Tamar episode in thirty-eight, when we get back to thirty-nine, we're Joseph and we're Joseph all the way to the end. So probably we would call it thirty-seven. And, you know, this, there's, as we see, there's some fuzzy stuff. There's some overlap between them. But the narrative, I think, has generally agreeable sections of this is where we're focusing. And, of course, Joseph will be the primary character all the way to the end. And Jacob slash Israel is alive all the way to the end, essentially, to the end of the book of Genesis, right? Because at the very end, right, it's the story of Israel and all of them going down to Egypt. And while they are there, at the end, Israel pronounces a number of, of blessings and promises, right? Sort of a, a, a prophecy of sorts. If you go look at the end of Genesis, it uh, you would see that in 49, where Jacob blesses his sons. And then in 50, Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him. All right, And that would be... As a part of Jacob's burial, so Jacob is around all the way to the end, even though Joseph is the primary character. okay so as far as part of our discussion so far, uh, this is where we focused, right? We just finished essentially the Abrahamic discussion. we We talked a little bit about the almost sacrifice of Isaac. So let's go ahead and turn to chapter twenty four. All right, so let's recall, as a part of this general overview, All right, the story of Isaac and Rebekah. Did Isaac go hunting for a wife? Do you remember? No. no, Isaac did not go hunting for a wife. His father would not let him. Uh, instead, he sends a servant. And he sends a servant, and this servant goes and finds a woman for Isaac. Who is the brother of the woman? Do you remember? Laban. Laban will be very important here in just a minute. Right? And so the servant goes out and finds Rebekah and takes Rebekah essentially from the, 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 the area of, of Babylon, because right? Abraham's, um, Abraham's relatives are still living over in that general area. Right? And Isaac is not supposed to get a wife from the Canaanites. Uh, he's supposed to get a wife from his family. And so the servant goes off, gets Rebekah, Fetches her, um, which totally seems strange. Hey, I'm the servant of your relative, as far as you know. Let me take your daughter, and I'm going to take her to a hundreds of miles away, all right, to marry someone that she has never met. Okay. What's that? With no cell phones. <laughs> With no cell phones, that's so true. Uh, so, but that's, that's the story, Rebecca goes. And, um, well, that's that. So, chapter 25, you've got Abraham dies at that point, right? You've got Abra- and you do have another uh, Abimelech issue with Isaac and Rebekah. But anyway, in chapter 25, Abraham ultimately dies, and you get the birth of Esau and Jacob. And I want to read here in chapter 25, in verse 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was forty years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, "If this, if it is thus, why is this happening to me?" So you've got, seems to be a fight going on in the womb. So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, so this would be the older. First came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. After his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter and man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Okay? And so that's how we ultimately switch into the Jacob narrative. Now, the first thing, as a part of that, is is still in this chapter. All right, And that is this, this story, starting in verse 29. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. What's a birthright? Anybody know? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the birthright was the double the double portion of the inheritance. The oldest would get would get more than anybody else, and so Jacob he's a, Jacob's a schemer. All right, Jacob is in 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 some ways not as we know this. Jacob in some ways is not necessarily a nice guy. And so Jacob says, Sell me your birthright for some food. Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So we get this wily character, this this Jacob, who is going to, uh, not the last time, be deceitful to his family to, to get ahead. All right? And so, chapter 26. We switch real quick to Isaac again. Right? Because we look at here, right? Isaac doesn't really finish here. So it's like we start Jacob and Esau. No, let's not start Jacob and Esau. It's a part of this messiness. Now, there was a famine in the land, and besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands. I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth. Shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my law. So, God repeats here essentially the promise he made to Abraham. All right? So, he's, God is taking the action of coming to the descendant and saying, Whatever I said to Abraham, I was serious. Right? I told Abraham he would have a great many descendants. And that would mean that it would have to be through you. You are going to be the next... You are the next link in the chain. My promise is with you. I'm not just the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac in this case. And so then you've got the Isaac and Abimelech story, which we won't go through. It's very similar to uh, the other instances of this same story. Verse, 20, verse 27. Chapter 27. You've got Jacob again, being a, a little, little trickster, right? a little deceiver. In this story, Isaac blesses Jacob instead of Esau. And hopefully we all know this story, right? If not, let's repeat this story. What happens? Isaac is getting... It got, Isaac at this point is young and spry. Isaac at this point is What? He's old, all right, and that's why is it important that he's old in this story? Because he can't see, all right. So he is—he's physically in very bad shape, and he tells Esau, all right. And now, if you've had a child and you've dealt with them, you, you know their voice, you know what they're like. And Isaac, Isaac gets fooled in here, but it's not because he doesn't know his children. It's just Jacob just does a good job. Well, and Rebecca do a good job because it's, it's also his wife that joins in on this little incident. But so he tells Esau, what go out, kill a deer. All right. Go find me some wild game. Go hunt for me. All right. Get me that, give me that meat, cook it the way I like it and come to me and I will bless you. All right. What Isaac doesn't know is his wife is listening. All right. And as it was established earlier, uh, Rebecca likes Jacob more than she likes Esau. All right? Esau Jacob likes Esau. Rebecca, excuse me. Isaac likes Esau. Rebecca likes Jacob. So, she goes to Jacob and says, "Hey, go get something from the cattle. I will cook it. You're going to go in and you're going to pretend to be Esau." Now Jacob, he's a schemer. He's smart. He goes, My brother's hairy. I'm not hairy. All right. Dad's going to notice. All right. And so he puts on some animal skins, also puts on some of Esau's clothing. So he smells a little bit more like Esau. All right. And takes the food that was cooked, goes in there and essentially gets the promise. So, and you see there in the middle of the, and you see in the middle of the chapter, you see some of the Isaac going, wait a minute. You you sound like Jacob. Come here, right? And so he feels his hands. He's like, well, your your hands are hairy like Esau, and your neck's hairy like Esau. So. I guess, I guess you're Esau. And so in verse 26, Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. God May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Now let's think about this. Verse 29. Let the peoples serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. So at this point, this blessing is essentially preferencing whoever this is, which as we know is Jacob, over the other brother. All right. So this this is the chosen son. All right. And if we go and once we talk about the New Testament and how it treats these things, all right, we're we're going to see that this is God's preference. This is what God wants. God wants Jacob to be chosen over Israel. Excuse me, over Esau. All right? Jacob is his preference. And so that's what essentially this blessing does. Let people serve you, nations bow down, be Lord over your brothers. And may your mother's sons, Esau, may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. All right? And so naturally, Isaac finishes this, he leaves, Esau comes in, has the game, cooks the food, brings it into Isaac, and Isaac's like, Wait a minute. All right. I guess I just blessed Jacob. All right. And so Esau's like, but just have you, if you go to verse 38, Esau said to his father, have you but one blessing, my father, bless me, even me also. Oh, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father answered and said to him, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be. And away from the dew of heaven on high by your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother but when you grow restless you shall break his yoke from your neck so there will be conflict between Jacob and Esau and really there will definitely be conflict between Jacob's descendants and Esau's descendants right. well at this point now Jacob excuse me now Esau verse 41 now Esau hated Jacob and it's his plan at that point to just kill Jacob all right as soon as Isaac is dead, all right. As soon as Isaac is dead, then when he's out of the way, Jacob is going to be murdered. All right. That's that's essentially his plan. Rebecca finds this about the, uh, finds out about this and says to Isaac, um, "You get out of here." All right. And so in chapter twenty-eight. All right. So we we still got we still got a ways to go for Jacob's Jacob life here. All right. Chapter twenty-eight. Jacob is sent to Laban, and so Jacob now is going to go back out of the Promised Land, out of the land that God that God said would give He would give to His people, because he's fleeing because he's a deceitful little guy, and he's going to go back and be with Laban. Now, Jacob's deceitful, uh, but perhaps he may meets his match in Laban, because Laban, all right, just gives him a dose of his own medicine in a number of ways. But before we get there, verse 10. So Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Somebody read for me uh, verses 10 through 17, will you?
1: Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he came to a certain place and stayed there that night, because the sun had set. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad, to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely Jehovah is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate
0: of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. When Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way, that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Now what's, what is he doing when he pours oil on the pillar?
1: Is it kind of an anointment like they would have did with David?
0: Do you anoint him by pouring oil on his head? Could be. Could be kind of sacrifice, because you would you would pull out pour out, for example, as part of sacrifices, wine and such as well. But it's an act. He recognizes this is that this is an important place. Now where is he? Luz, Which he names Bethel. Why does he name it Bethel? House of God. Remember, when you see Beth in front of a city, it's always house of something. All right. So in this case, El. House of God. Why would he call it Bethel? Cause he, cause he had yeah. This is uh, this this is this is God's ladder. This is this is God's staircase between where where the angels come up and down. This must be God's house, and so he calls it Bethel. Now we're still in Israel at this point, right? We have not yet made it to the land of Babylon. And he says that here. Notice here. All right, God is promising to him and saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you all of this land. This is still the land of Israel. And he says there, in verse 20, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And so... He's like, okay, you're promising to me, I will make a vow. If God will keep me safe while I'm gone, because now he's heading out of the country. If God will keep me safe while I'm gone, and then bring me back, you will be my God, essentially. all right, You will be my God if this happens. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So he promises to give some as well. Okay? So God promises to Jacob at this point. Um, Jacob says, okay, you bring me back. You bring me back and I will believe you. You bring me back and I will follow you. All right? Because remember, at this point, they're not exactly... don't. Don't think of them as monotheists. All right? You really should not think of the patriarchs as monotheists. You should think of, for example, having faith, Abraham having the faith that the one true God is the creator of the earth and the judge of all the earth, because he said that. All right? But they definitely believe in other gods. all right? And that's Jacob right here. He's not saying, I'm either going to believe in you or if you don't bring me back, I'm going to be an atheist. That's not what's going on here. Jacob is like, okay, I will follow you as my God if you will actually bring me back. All right? there's, there's no atheism in, in the ancient world. All right? That's not our choices. If he says, I'm not going to follow, I will follow you or not, those are not your true choices. They're this God or another God. Okay? So at this point, he ultimately leaves. And Verse, chapter 29, then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. We are now at this point in Babylon. Chapter 29, this is where Jacob marries Leah and Rachel. Now this is where Laban, as I'm sure you will recall, tricks Jacob. Now Jacob stays there, and uh, which one does he want to marry? Rachel. He wants to marry Rachel. Alright? Why does he want to marry Rachel and not Leah? Rachel's prettier. All right. And so he wants Rachel. So he works for Laban and Laban says, yes, I will give you Rachel. All right. And uh, verse 20, right? So Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed to him, but a few days because of the love he had for her. And uh, I mean, if we're talking about Rachel's and, and Leah's, clearly, you know, Michael should have spent seven years, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. trying to, <laughs> trying to Earl, uh, t- trying to earn Leah and buying that many chicken sandwiches from Chick Fil A, before he got Leah. But oh well, oh well. So. When the 7 years were up, then Jacob said to Laban, verse 21, "Give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed." So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast, but in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to be his his daughter Leah to gave servant Zilpah to the daughter his daughter Leah to be her servant. And this is very important, right? Because the whole Plethora of children that we're going to have after this. The servants play were a very important part in this. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. What is this? What a great Rachel? All right. Why? Well, how in the world could this possibly happen? Electricity. No, electricity. no electricity. No lights. Uh-huh. Probably lots of alcohol. All right, and so in the morning, I think I think that is is a pretty good assumption. All right, Uh, veiled people as well. You know, you 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 might have that going on here, and so Jacob is upset. All right, (laughs) Jacob is and, and and Laban's like, well, I'm well. This is not how we work. I mean, the, the oldest daughter, we, she's got to get hitched first. So, yeah, you know, get wrecked. You know. It is not done in our country, verse 26. It is not done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter, Rachel, to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant, Bilhah, to his daughter, Rachel, to be her servant. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. Not cool. And served Laban for another seven years. Okay? And so, starting in verse 31, you've got... Essentially, you've got child-making starting to happen, all right? When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And essentially, you've got a sequence of Leah having children, all right? You've got Rachel, I, I want children too. I can't have children, so I will give you my servant, all right, sort of like Sarah and Hagar, all right? I'll give you my servant. So children are born through that servant, then Leah stops having children. And so I think that at that point she gives Jacob her servant, and so there's some children there, and then Rachel has Joseph, all right? So you've got a sequence. We don't have all the children at this point. Which one are we missing? We're missing Benjamin at this point, all right? But but up to here, we've got a lot of children through four women. All right? Leah, Rachel, and their servants. And so Jacob prospered, starting in verse 25, in chapter 30. But ultimately, he wants to get away from Laban. So in, verse, in chapter 31, he's going to get away from Laban. And you might recall, and this goes back to the whole you know, polytheism of this, of this world, right? You might recall from this story that Rachel... Steals something from Laban, right? What does she steal? As they're leaving, right? She, he he steals. She steals his gods, all right. She steals his gods, grabs them on the way out, and they go, all right. Jacob is unaware of this, all right. Jacob is entirely unaware of this, and Laban catches up, and he's like, "You didn't even let me say bye to my grandchildren." And you stole my gods, all right? <laughs> all right, and 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 Jacob. I mean, he he didn't know. He's like, no, we didn't steal your gods. Search, all right? So he searches, all right? And what's the trick? There's so much trickery in this family, right? Rebecca, mm, Jacob, mm, Laban, okay. Now Rachel, all right. She she sits on them and says. You can't touch me, the time of women is upon me. And so they just avoid her, and she gets to keep ultimately those gods. All right? Why did she steal those gods? Maybe she wanted to worship them. All right? Don't make the assumption, all right, that just because Rachel has married Jacob, that she's ready to follow his God. All right? And as he has already said at this point, all right, I'm going to re- I'm really going to follow you, God, when I make it back, all right? That's his test for God. And so, he's got he's kind of a trickster and he's got he's got some clearly some faith issues, all right? Now, did he believe? Yes, he did ultimately believe. But he's got some issues. As does uh, apparently his wife, all right? So, finally they break in peace. Laban goes back to the area of, or what would later be Babylon, or what would be at that point Babylon. And then Jacob is going to come back home. Now Jacob's got a problem. Why did he leave home? Esau. He was afraid that, that his brother was going to kill him. And... Rightly so, according to the text, he really was planning on. And so he's going, he's essentially afraid. All right, when he comes back, that Esau is going to have a problem with him, and he gets a clue that Esau might. He's wrong. Esau apparently is fine with Jacob at this point. He's he is chilled out. Um, but Esau, Jacob hears a report that Esau is bringing five hundred or four hundred men with him, essentially, to meet Jacob. Huh. Going to meet me with 400 men. That could be an army. All right. And so Jacob divides the group, all right, and then starts sending gifts to Esau, trying to butter him up on the way. But before, something very important happens. Turn to chapter 32. Verse 22. When we get to chapter 33, Jacob will finally meet Esau. But not yet. I mean, if we back up like two verses, right? And you shall say, Moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him, and he himself stayed that night in the camp. So that's our setup. He's sending people away as, with, with, with gifts, essentially, to Esau. Verse 22. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Why? I mean, it just seems very abrupt at this point, right? He's alone. Now someone shows up to, to wrestle with him. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob, Jacob, then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. What does it mean He's, he strove with God? Is this God? Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. Saying, "For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered." Penuel just means like the face of God. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Okay, is this God? It seems to be God. Turn to uh, Hosea, if you would. Chapter Twelve. You've got this little discussion, and this is in an, an, a subtitle here says the Lord's indictment of, of Israel and Judah. So this is a this is from a much later period of time. We're talking. Uh, this will be. Exile time, right? We, we are past David. We are past a number of kings at this point. We are way in the future. And this is an oracle, essentially, against, against God's people from God. Verse 2, the Lord has an indictment against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways he will repay him according to his deeds in the womb he took his brother by the heel All right so this is this is going way back this is well, way back to to birth right and in his manhood he strove with god he strove with the angel and prevailed he wept and sought his favor he met god at Bethel, and their God spoke with us, the Lord, the, the God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So you, by the help of your God, return, hold fast to love and justice, and wait continually for your God. Okay, let's go through this. Verse 4, he strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. And so this is talking about the episode at Peniel, right? He strove with the angel of the Lord. All right. And prevailed. All right. Which is impressive. He wept and sought his favor. And he's like, bless me. I won't let you go unless you bless me. I think that's what it's referring to specifically there. Right Now we're switching because Peniel is not Bethel. He met God at Bethel and there God spoke with us. The Lord, God of hosts, the Lord is his memorial name. So. When talking about here, he's, he's essentially, all right, he's combining Peniel and Bethel. These are Jacob essentially wrestling with the Almighty, all right? He wrestles with the angel of God at Peniel, all right? And he sees God at Bethel. And so, from Hosea's standpoint, what's going on here? Yes, this is not just a guy that showed up. All right, to wrestle with Jacob. This is, well, this is the angel of the Lord, all right? which is not, of course, the first time we've seen the angel of the Lord. And so you've got that incident there at really the end of chapter 32. And so you've got all the way from Abraham, All right, Abraham visiting with Abraham, excuse me, God visiting with Abraham in person, giving him promises, multiple promises. God repeating that promise, to Isaac, all right. God repeating that promise to Jacob. Jacob, notably less committal than God on this promise. God is, I will do it. Jacob is like, if I make it back, then this is a deal, all right. And does Jacob make it back? It is a deal, all right. God's covenant is fulfilled through Jacob, all right. But God, and really, it's it's interesting here. Essentially Jacob meets with God right when he leaves and right when he comes back, right? He meets with God at Bethel. There's that first interchange. He comes back into the land, he wrestles with God. He strives with God, all right? He 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 holds he holds the angel of the Lord in the wrestling match until the end and the angel ultimately has to bless him. Okay? And then at that point, Jacob meets Esau. And um, for the promise to be fulfilled, all right, for the promise to be fulfilled that Jacob would end up being blessed and that the descendants would survive and flourish, then you either can't have a war with Esau or Jacob has to win. As it turns out, they do not fight, all right? They end up not fighting at all. And it 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 is a reunion, a peaceful reunion between Jacob and Esau. We won't go into this one, chapter 34, the defiling of Dinah. All right? Uh, not today, anyway. And you've got in chapter 35, and I, next time we will begin in chapter 35, because we, have, we get to talk about Bethel again at Luz, because there's some repetition there. And then chapter 36, you've got Esau's descendants. And then 37, we switch into our final narrative, which is Joseph and his dreams. And that will take us to the end. All right, so we've seen whatever you would call this period, the pre-patriarchal, the primeval, primordial period. You've got Abraham, who has a lot going on in his life. You've got Isaac. Not a lot of material about Isaac. In some ways, some of the most important material about Isaac is actually subsumed into the more important material discussion with Abraham, and then as a part of the Isaac, excuse me, the Jacob and Esau narrative here, all right, then you have Jacob all the way to 36, and then we're going to switch to Joseph soon, but next time, um, read ahead and think about chapter 35, which is where God blesses and renames Jacob, all right, and then we'll jump into Joseph and our goal next Lord's Day, we'll finish our overview of Genesis and go through Joseph's life before we jump into the New, Te- New Testament and see how some of this plays out in New Testament theology any thoughts, any questions anything we want to clear up
1: yeah, I still don't understand why God touched Jacob's hip so that it came on really the out of joint mm-hmm. I was reading back through this and I didn't see a reason why do you know why he did that?
0: Um, so no explanation is ultimately given but in my reading of the scene I read it like this right? the angel of the Lord appeared to, to Jacob and as we know right, angels are significantly more powerful than, than people Right, we know this this is, this is fairly clear biblical theology right? so therefore uh, if the angel was truly using his full angelic power This would not be a match. Right? And as we know, also, the angel of the Lord is Christ himself. All right? But the angel of the Lord appears here. All right? I think the idea is the angel of the Lord appears here really as a man. All right? And so, therefore, Jacob is wrestling a man. It is his angel, but in the form of a man. All right? And the way the story is written, all right, Jacob's a good wrestler. He's a good striver, right? Israel strives with God. He is a good striver and a good wrestler. And he, he puts up a good match. And I think, the, uh, I think that's the, the way of, it's time for this match to end. Time to hurt Jacob to get this over with. But even then, Jacob's like, I'm not going to, you know, imagine in a, <laughs> in a headlock or something. I'm not going to let you go anyway until you bless me. And he sure does. But ultimately, there's not really an explanation there, though I think that makes the most sense of it. It's the the angel has really come in the in the form of a man. Now, I want to say real quick, all right, real quick. This is something Elliot brought up. I believe it was last Lord's Day, maybe the one before. All right, let's not confuse this with the whole idea of incarnation. Okay, if. If Jesus, as the angel of the Lord, comes in physical form in the Old Testament, this does not mean that Jesus was incarnate in the Old Testament. That does not mean that. Let's make that very, very clear. All right? The Elohim, the spiritual beings, had the ability to take physical form, to enter the physical realm. We know this because they sat and ate with Abraham. All right? we know that they have this ability to become physical to take on a physical form this does not mean they truly became human alright if Jesus came physically right, and wrestled with Jacob he was not fully human at this point alright from an orthodox theology perspective that does not happen until he is born of a virgin by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament so, that's why when people talk about these, and they call them, all right, they call these not early incarnate, they call these pre-incarnate. All right? Because when Jesus appears physically, he does not really become human flesh. All right? That does not happen till he is born in the womb of Mary. All right? To remind you, what does incarnate mean? Made flesh. Right? Made flesh. In fle- in into flesh. Carne is this Latin. Carne is flesh. So, in fleshed. So, these would be pre-incarnate, all right? Clearly here taking on the limitations of human strength, but not from an Orthodox theology perspective, not truly becoming incarnate. This is pre-incarnate. Incarnation does not happen for a while at this point, for a few thousand years. Okay? But I'm glad you asked that, because you asked that afterwards, last time, and I did want to bring that up, because it's a very important distinction to make in terms of Christian theology. Okay, well, let's be dismissed. So next time we'll begin in chapter 35, okay?